on you, boss. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I feel like substance use is more of a private thing. Um, and some people will be like, well, Taylor, how, how does your dad's drinking impact your swimming? Like, what does this have to do with you and your race? And it's like, well, I, I, when I first went to the Olympic Paralympic training center in July, like before I swam my mile, I was like low key crying a little bit. Cause I was like, I wish my dad were, were allowed to see this. Um, you know, and when I went to Mexico, I said, okay, if I medal, I want to dedicate my first international medal to my dad, because I do wonder sometimes maybe if he didn't drink so much, maybe if I was a better daughter or maybe if I pushed him harder to stop drinking, he'd still be alive. So I, I do feel some guilt in his death, but I, over time I've come to recognize, you know, like we're grownups and grownups make their own decisions. Um, but I've seen athletes who have struggled with drinking and I've seen people with disability and chronic illness who struggle with drinking. And I haven't drank in two and a half years, partially because, um, of my Christianity, but, um, I think about it. I think about it often. Um, mm. whenever I'm in pain, I think about it cause I know I can spend about six bucks a day and go buy six beers and drink them really fast and get really drunk. And I won't care that my back hurts today. I do know that. And sometimes when I go, you know, to the gas station, I'll see the alcohol when I go to the bathroom and I, I haven't done it in two and a half years, but still it's something that is very common that I feel like we don't talk about a lot. Um, you know, my, my friends, excuse me, mom was killed by a drunk driver when I was in middle school and, um, alcoholism, it affects, I feel like it would be hard to say there's a single person on the planet who does not know somebody possibly impacted by alcoholism, either having liver disease or a DUI, or even just like, I don't know. But, um, you know, we as athletes can talk about sport. And I think, like I said, sport is great. Um, me and my friend joke that sports swimming saved our lives because we both had mental, um, struggles after our injuries. You know, there was a point in my life where I was suicidal in high school because of my back and, you know, swimming is a great outlet for me, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah, you're a great swimmer. You got medals, you know, sponsorships, et cetera. But how, how can you use your blessings to help other people? And I think that's something that I want to be mindful of. You know, I want to, if I continue on the progression that I'm continuing and maybe go to Paris one day, you know, I'm going to talk about what God's done for me and, you know, how I used to be suicidal. And, you know, if you are too, I know how it feels. And, you know, my, dad passed away when he was 50 from drinking and, you know, just use life experience to destigmatize things and talk about things. Cause yeah, it's cool. It's a, like, I don't want to downplay how amazing and how much work and dedication it takes to be an elite athlete, like a lot of sacrifice. But I think sometimes we can use our platforms for good and for changing things. And that's really important. Could not agree more. You know, it's another another string to the bow of of fitness as a catalyst. You know, I I kind of say it in in two uh two different entities, right? Of like we got the ground level, we got 
the average Joes that come in and just want to work out and get a little bit of fitness, look good naked and lift up the grandkid, right? High five, let's do it, you know? And then we've also got these athletes at the same thing. And we, you know, the, the average Joes are walking billboards. They never shut up. They're always talking, you know, and it's like, great. You know, we can maybe influence people positively in that regard, right? But also the athletes are the ones that are going to be on the billboards, they're going to be the ones that are on telly, you know what I mean? And, 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 and ultimately going to get a microphone and it's like, great. Like we can, we can use both of them through this weird thing that we do with our body called fitness, whether it's like we said, swimming or anything else. And, um, I really, I really, I'm really glad you said that. I think that was, I think that's really needed for, for people to hear whether you're an athlete, whether you're not, whether you train or whether you don't, you know, of just like this is more than a piece of a piece of metal round your neck. You know, this is more than just an ego brush standing up and everybody looking at you. You know, this is more than representing your country at the end of the day, because you can help people um beyond national borders, you know, beyond beyond everything. You're helping people full stop. You know, we are all we are all people, regardless of everything. And I think that's uh, I think that's really powerful. So I I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you know, this metal. I so where I live right now, I live in the middle of nowhere. Like there the nearest target's like an hour away. The nearest Olive Garden's over an hour away. Like for Americans, they'll get it. Uh <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't want to be um what's the word? Like rude, but I, I don't know if I forget where you live, if there's Target there, but I love Target. I'm sorry. I'm like super stereotypical. Like I don't drink pumpkin spice lattes, but like I love Target. Um, but you know, it's even fine. I understand. Like, someone like me, I train alone. I don't have a team right now. Um, it's quite lonely sometimes. Like it's hard. I My friend reached out to me like, how do you stay motivated? I'm like, some days it's just, I have to do this if I want to advance where I want to advance. And it's very lonely. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even if you do train all by yourself, you know, let's say you're not married. If you go to the Paralympics or the Olympics and you medal, it's not just because of you, you know, let's say for me, you know, there was a lifeguard who came and opened that pool every day. I should thank that lifeguard. Like I'm thankful I live near a pool. I'm thankful I have a car. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that's something I've had to work on over time is, you know, I'm not where I'm at in my life because I, I'm a quote unquote good person or I work hard. Um, I have so many people who've helped me through my life and, you know, as a Christian, I'm, I truly believe I'm here because this is what God has in store for me. And that's something that's helped me, you know, when bad things do happen, because after I broke my back, I thought maybe this happened because I'm a bad daughter or I'm a bad person or I'm being punished. And that is probably the most toxic mindset I've ever had in my life because I thought, you know, like I did, I deserve this. If I did deserve this, why? And I just kind of had such a negative, like, self-image and as I've gotten older I've become a little more like introspective in my life and I do think I'm possibly neurotypical um I, a neurotypical I think I may be on the ADHD and or autism spectrum and you know in high school 
I felt like everybody knew me because I'm loud, but I, I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends and I didn't feel like I had a great relationship with my parents and my parents got divorced in high school and then they got back together and then I broke my back and it just, I was just a hot mess. And, you know, it took me a really long time to be like, this is just something stuff happens to people, you know, and you can be a great, great person. And I know some people, amazing people, and they can't have children and they want children biologically. And, you know, that's, it's not their fault. It just happens, you know, disability, illness, diagnoses happen to great people. And I think if I have that mindset, it just makes me mad when bad things don't happen to bad people, because that's just not the way the world works. You know, good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people. And, you know, I think acceptance is a really big thing. Um, this is a random tangent, but I had a conversation with my dad. Oh, what year is it? Probably five years, four or five years ago. And me and my younger sister were talking to him and I just said, dad, like I've accepted that I'm disabled. You know, I've accepted that this has happened to me. You just got to stop. You have to, too. Um, Cause it was really hard for him to come to terms that, you know, I used a cane to walk and to come to terms that I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos, which is genetic. And, you know, I got diagnosed at Johns Hopkins and that in my opinion is I'd say the best hospital in the country. I'm biased. I volunteered there. I have doctors there. They're great people. Um, and my dad was just like, you know, no, I don't think so. Like he's very much, um, pushed through it. You know, we don't need doctors as much as society says so. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really hurt me. You know, I, certain things in my life I need to push through. And he was one of the reasons I got back in the pool because I was on the couch one day, you know, watching a TV show and kind of wallowing in my sadness. I, I don't want to like be insensitive, but like, I just was a mess. And he walked in one day and he pointed at me. He said, you need to not without the explicit explicits, but he was like, you need to get off your butt and go get a life, like go get a job, go to college. Like, I don't care. Like you just, you need to stop doing this. And I was like, you know, I burst in tears. I'm like, dad, you don't know how it feels like to be in the pain I'm in or the life I have. And he was like, I don't care. And I, I was so angry for so long, but he was right. You know, if you have a life altering injury, your life is going to be different, but, um, you know, what are you going to do with it? Like I, I can make the decision and sit on the couch all day. And some people need that. Like I needed that when I first had my injury, I needed to heal, but I was afraid to thrive after I was out of that kind of healing period. And, um, I don't know exactly what was in my head. I hated how people talked about my cane you know, I was 17 with a cane and like, I went to college. I had guys make sex jokes about me using a cane. I made people make fun of me because I had to sit on these special pillows. I called them butt pillows. Like it was just a mess. And I think part of that scared me is how society was going to view me as some like broken, ugly, like disabled little redhead. And I used to have a Reddit um, on my old account. And I wrote a Reddit post and I was like, Hey, I'm 18. I broke my back. I have all these issues. I was like, 
I don't think I'm ever going to have kids who, who's going to want to marry me. I wanted to be a doctor, but I, I can't function like outside more than half an hour. Like my whole life is ruined. You know, I can't swim. I just thought I was going to be like sad, lonely, disabled, and in pain, like in a ball the rest of my life. And it, it took a lot of, you know, prayer and soul searching and people, people. And like, even though my pain management doctor, you know, told me, Hey, you're never going to swim or compete again. I don't hold it against him. Cause I think not a lot of people knew about the Paralympics back then it's getting better. Mm. Um, I don't hold that against him, but what I do hold against him is he told a young woman who committed, I committed to swim at Loyola between um, my injuries and who was going to be, I was training to do an Ironman. Like you tell her, she's never going to be able to do anything athletic again. And you just drop that bomb and then be like, I can put needles in your back to make you feel better. Like that's just not good. Like I, I wish he gave me like, here's a support group or, you know, like, cause I do at first I thought it was dumb. Like when I went to Kenny Krieger, they said, we want you to do some cognitive therapy during your, like in alongside your physical therapy. And I was like, well, that's dumb. You know, like, why, why do I have to do that? But now that I've been through what I've been through, I'm like, that would have really helped me. Um, you know, talking about things in my childhood and the way I perceived myself and the way I felt that society perceived myself would have been really helpful. And I feel like I do try to talk about my mental health, um, struggles when I was younger, because I didn't seek help and I almost killed myself because I didn't seek help. And then after I started to, you know, I am an aborted suicide attempt survivor. I didn't see anybody. I didn't tell anybody. And I anonymously went to group therapy for it. So like I'm the poster board of kind of what not to do when you become disabled. Cause like, I just, I just didn't know I did not value myself enough as a person to think that I deserve to have help. And I think that makes me sad because I know there's so many other people out there just like me when I was in that kind of mindset. And like, I, I'm a very social person. I, I told you I struggle sometimes. I feel like I still don't fit in well with my peers I joked with my friend the other day. I feel like I'm like perpetually stuck at 14, like socially, like I'd like Pokemon. I like, you know, like, which I'm not saying adults can't like Pokemon, but like, I love babysitting younger kids. Cause like we watch like Paw Patrol and like my little pony. And like, I just, I, that's just me. I don't know. I'm very spontaneous. My brain's like a mile a minute. I always joke. I, I tell my friends, I don't need to do drugs. Cause my brain is like somebody on drugs, which like, I don't want to be insensitive with that statement, but like, I can't turn my brain off sometimes. And it's just like, Wee! but, um, I don't remember what I was talking about, but I don't know. We're, I had a swim coach ask me for her swim team, what advice I'd have for them. Um, and I said, if for people who just became disabled, my biggest advice is you need to mourn the life you lost but it's more important to embrace the life you gained. Um, Cause I was stuck in that mourning period. I'd say at least two years, but now 
you know, if you ask me, hey, like, if you could go back and stop you flipping that jet ski or stop you falling out of that chair, would you do it? And, you know, the pain is terrible. And, like, I don't even know if I can have kids because of my back issues. But the opportunities that paraswimming has brought me, and I feel like the self-reflection and the empathy I've grown as a disabled person, I don't think I, I don't think I'd stop myself because like, it's just changed my perspective on the world. And I think if you're not disabled, you don't get it. Um, you can try to empathize as much as you can, but you just don't get it. And that's not a bad thing, but you know, I think it's going to make me a better mother. I think it's made me a better wife, um, to a fault. Sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm too interested in people's business that it might be inappropriate. And like, I cry about other people and like, I get very attached to people, but you know, if I never broke my back, I wouldn't be talking about how like, well, this building doesn't have an elevator or a ramp. Like that's not okay. You know, I just, I wouldn't recognize that. Cause like when I was able-bodied, I didn't really know anybody who's disabled and how inaccessible the world is right now is not okay. And, you know, I love the world, but it needs to get better. Um, yeah, I love the, I love the opportunities that I have as an American. I just think certain things can 100% be improved. Um, and kind of, like I said before, you can love the system of like paraswimming or love the country you have, but recognize it's flawed and there are issues that can be fixed. Other ones will take time. Some may never happen. But um, that was really all over the place. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't apologize. I'm not your mom. They never need to apologize to me, you know. And uh, I think it all starts with that conversation. You know, we don't, we don't know. I don't know what you, you think or feel. You know, I'm not, I'm not inside your head. So we we start off by creating this open space, right? Within this environment where people can have the the opportunity to be able to voice their opinion and, and you get people from all walks of life in here and you're like, okay, cool. Like, what do we think guys? And you're like, how, how did you not see this blind hole in the middle? You're like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like good point. Maybe, maybe we fi fix this one in, you know, fill it in. And then we just kind of move forward, you know, keep, keep throwing things against the wall and eventually something's going to stick, you know, that's kind of like kind of the way I, I live. You know, I think we're, we're kind of, analysis by paralysis um or the other way around sorry paralysis by analysis of just like oh i don't i don't know there's so much to go on and uh, i don't want to fail and it's just uh, guys just first of all just talk to people hey what do you think it's like oh well i think that's pretty good thank you go to the next person hey what do you think oh actually like maybe we can put an elevator in there because if you're, you know, a seated athlete or uh, somebody bound to a wheelchair, you know, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you. You know, and then we'll, <laughs> you know, oh, where's the braille and the signs and stuff like that. Just, just something, something so small, you know, and being able to be like, oh, okay, cool. This isn't a personal attack of, oh, you forgot that you're a bad person. It's like, no, no. Hey, I understand that the world is a busy place and there's a lot going on in people's lives. Like maybe we, maybe I'm just going to add something to the table and, you know, we can kind of uh, adapt from there. And that's, that's the way I see coaching as well. You know, like someone comes in, I'm like, wow. Um, I don't know, to be honest, but let's get out on the dance floor and let's figure this out. 
you know, and it's just like this conversing and communication between two people. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, I guess that kind of looked like some sort of a training session. Um, we'll we'll try again tomorrow and uh, we'll have a little bit more knowledge going into it, you know, and it's just this kind of like trial and error scenario of like, yeah, how do we make the world a better place? Like it's not going to happen overnight. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people really miffed off for a while. Um, unfortunately, that's just the way it goes. People get, you know, the knickers in a twist a lot and it's like, okay, but like we have to commit to the long run. You know, this isn't going to happen short term. You know, I'm not going to get in the pool and swim 100 meters three times a week for a month and go to the Paralympics. I'm sorry, guys, but that's that's just not going to happen. You know, we we need to be able to commit. And uh, yeah, I think you I think you're already doing that. I think you're doing it by proving it in the pool. And I think you're doing it by being like, you know what? I'm going to put my heart on my sleeve and I'm going to speak from it as, as often as I can. You know, and I'm going to be like, oh, okay, this is my truth. You know, this might not actually be the universal truth, whatever that means, you know, but this is my truth. And I have the right to be able to converse that and say it. And I think people take so much from that, you know, even if it is, oh, I don't believe in what you're saying, but the very fact of you standing up and be like, hey, this is just what I think, who I am, you know, what I've been through, a story, you know, uh, it it benefits people. They gain so much, so much strength from it, you know? And I think that's such a powerful tool. So you're already doing it, mate. I just want to say, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing already. You know, it's, it's badass, and I, and I can't wait until uh, you get in that pool and, and prove a lot of things wrong. Yeah, I thank you. I, that's something I'm trying to work on, like embracing. I talked to my, my one friend who's newer on the national team too. And she's like, you know, we are, we're like the the real deal, you know, like we are elite, elite athletes. And part of me still, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just a response to my trauma, but it's hard for me to feel comfortable where I'm at. Cause I'm always scared. Like I said, it's going to be taken away from me. Um, I committed to swim at a college and then I couldn't do it cause I broke my back. You know, like my relationship got better with my dad and then he died. So it's just like, it's yeah. hard for me to, cause I, I just don't want to be back in that mindset where I think like I'm the bees knees and like be really kind of like cocky. Um, but also, you know, athletes look so different across sports, you know, certain sports, the athletes in general are a little more lean and in other sports, like you need like weight on you to perform, you know, especially with like powerlifting and football and stuff. And something that's really stayed in my mind since college it was my freshman year. And I had a cane and, you know, I wore my, that's, I think I had my black back brace, my black one, not my blue one. Um, and, you know, I'm walking with my roommate somewhere. We're going like to dinner and we stop and we're just talking to this dude. And my roommate's like, oh yeah, this is my roommate, Taylor. You know, she's a swimmer. And he like looked, he literally like looked at me from like my head down my toes and then back up. And he was like, oh, she doesn't look like one. And I was like, okay, well, is this dude calling me, you know, overweight? Or does he think that I can't be an athlete because I'm disabled? Or I just, I don't remember the rest of that conversation but I remember the way it felt like, you know, crap. I, it just, 
people say weird things, you know, and it's just sometimes it's like I because my husband's a very honest man and I really appreciate it because like I know how he's really feeling. He doesn't like, you know, lie, which is something I've had to work on in my life. I've told a lot of white lies in my life. And, you know, people ask me, are you OK? And I could be very angry and I'll just be like, oh, it's fine. Like I've been trying to work on being more honest. But um, honesty for the sake of being like just rude for no reason is something I really, really don't like, you know, like you could be like, oh, okay, well, you're a swimmer, you know, maybe ask, are you saying that because you think I look different or because I'm disabled? Be like, okay, you know, like, I don't know. I, that's my talkative, like psych degree there. Like, let's, let's get to the root of the issue. Why do you feel this way, young man? Like, why are you saying this? Like, tell me. But, um, like, misconceptions are really big among the disabled community. And I feel like I'm lucky in a sense because I am ambulatory. I walk with leg braces. Um, so I do have a lot of questions of those, especially at the gym. Yeah. I, I've had people think I've had Oscar slaughters. I've had people ask if it's like my arches are weird. Um, it's been a good conversation starter, but like now that I'm more quote unquote in shape, you know, you can look at my body type and maybe be like, okay, she's an athlete. But um, I have friends who are in wheelchairs who are amazing, amazing athletes, faster than me. And um, people will be like, how are you an athlete? Like, you can't walk. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you don't use your legs for everything in your life. Like, mm -hmm. but um, I love it, though. I like I said, I think parasport's so cool because like, we all have different stories. Some of us were born like that and some of us, you know, acquired it. And I think it adds a lot of admiration for what the human body can do, but also, you know, admiration of resilience and of perseverance. And, you know, if you go out and break your back and you don't want to be an athlete and you want to write a great book, that's great. You know, not everybody, we disabled people don't need to prove their value to society by being athletes. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you can be valuable and no matter what you do. Um, but I do think it's really cool. And I like really appreciate the privilege I have. Cause I know there are women in other countries who are able-bodied who can't do sports. And I even read of a woman, I forget the country, so I don't want to guess. Um, but she went to a competition and did not wear a head covering and she's going back to her country and they're talking about possibly arresting her and she could be put to death for that. So like being a woman who can choose her modesty, modesty standards in America, I'm really grateful for. And, you know, other countries, people with disabilities, they're not seen as valuable to society and they don't mm -hmm. have the same opportunities I do. So that's kind of back to the last conversation about like gratitude and stuff, but it's really cool. It's awesome. You know, and um, it's so cool as an, as an able-bodied person to just be able to watch, you know, never mind just, okay, this is this community and this is this community and yada, yada. I'm like, no, it's just people and it's people now doing sport. You know, and this sport's just going to look slightly different, just like football looks different to polo. You know, it's like they're different sports. And, okay, this sport's going to look a little bit different. Why? Because they're bound to wheelchairs. Like, duh. Like, it's wheelchair basketball. Like, it's going <laughs> to look slightly different. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and 
it's just what it is. I think, um, you know, if you, we line up all the differences, right. And we line up all our similarities. I think the similarities is just going to vastly outweigh the differences. And, uh, I think we need to embrace that. You know, I think we need to, to push that a little bit more of just like, these are human beings and they feel things and they also can perform. And so can we, but they're a little bit fitter than we are, you know, and a lot more skillful and definitely a lot better in the water than I am. Um, but it's like, okay, well, we're all similar. You know, we're going to embrace our differences. Great. And we're going to learn from them. You know, I don't know what it's like growing up in the States. So I'm going to learn from you and you don't know what it's like growing up in Manchester. So you're going to learn from me. Right. And then we're also going to be like, Oh, we're actually living, breathing, talking people. Right. And, uh, we're going to kind of celebrate that and come together and be like, cool. Like, what do you like to do? Oh, you, you swim. Well, let's go, let's go watch that. That's cool. What do you like to do? Oh, I weight lift. I just, you know, don't do anything above one rep pretty much. You know, I like to sit down and eat Harry bows in between sets and call it fitness. And, um, you know, I think it's cool, man. I think it's so, so fascinating. And um, I can't wait for it to be on par. You know, at the moment there's the, uh wheelchair rugby league world cup going on and uh me and my dad on the weekend literally just had the rugby league all day and it flicked between wheelchair and able-bodied and it was so cool of watching like this type of code of of rugby right which is predominantly the working class code and this is where we're from and most of the teams come out of like the northwest which is our city and it was so cool of just like wow we're watching the same thing but it's just, it's just done slightly different. But the thing is, like, if we watch different leagues, right, they perform the same sport slightly different. If I go to North and Southern Hemisphere, because I, I lived in New Zealand for the past three years, the way they play the game is slightly different. And I'm like, yeah, it's all the same, guys. You know, if I if I coach someone who's hearing impaired and I'm coaching in San, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, if I coach someone who's visually impaired, who's got cerebral palsy or any of this, it's like, it, it's the same as coaching kids. It's the same as coaching the elderly. Like, how, let's just, like, take away that initial, oh, this is different, I'm scared. Like, let's just kind of, like, put it in a box or I'm going to run away. I was like, guys, come on, we're adults now, all right? We can, we can be a little bit uncomfortable, right? And then we can learn from it. And then maybe we're then comfortable in that scenario in the future, you know? And I um I think by talking about it, by publicizing it, and then just also just showing us like, look how badass these human beings are. You know, watching that rugby on the weekend, oh mate, I was at the edge of my seat, you know, just seeing people just flinging themselves about just to get the tackle. And you're just like, this is insane. You know, these are actual athletes, you know, and it was like, yeah, like. The only difference is the sat down. Like, that's yes. it. Yes, yes. Uh, one of my favorite memes is like, there's like this lady in a wheelchair and she's like, I don't know why people treat me so weird. Like when I'm out and about, like at the even at the grocery store, like I'm literally just a person sitting down. Like, <laughs> literally, yeah. Like, yeah, do yeah, you legit. sit down to eat dinner? Yes yeah. or no? Like, what? You know, and that's something with someone more of an invisible disability. Um, I haven't experienced as much, um, but, you know, I know some people who are in wheelchairs and 
you know, people talk down to them or even kind of treat them like children. And I don't like the wording of this, but almost treat them like they have an intellectual disability, which I, you know, I have teammates with intellectual disabilities. And that's something I've been trying to work on personally is I feel like I often use um, like pet names instead of their name, like, oh, good job, buddy. Like, great job. And I'm like, Mm. well, is that how I would talk to one of my neurotypical teammates, you know, who just swam good? I'd be like, good job, first name. So that's something I've been trying to work on because, you know, there are different ways to communicate with people who are a neurotypical um, that can make both of our communication better. You know, I know a friend who is on the spectrum and like, say he loves Pokemon, which is great because I love Pokemon. We can talk about that. Um, Maybe he wouldn't be interested in organic chemistry, which I honestly did not really enjoy that class either. So I get it. But, you know, you do change some things. But in general, like, I think the way we approach people with disabilities is we'll let you know if our needs are known or if we will let you know our needs if they need to be known. But um, if you just treat me like any other person, that's cool. Um, Unless it's like, hey, can you hold the door open? There isn't a button. And you're like, oh, no, I'm going to treat you the same. Like, no special treatment. Well, like it's not special treatment to have accessibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, don't assume that I'm incapable of doing things. Cause like, that's kind of just a downer. Um, You know, I, I want kids one day and I don't know if they will be biologically, but if we adopt, you know, I am trying to prepare myself for people asking like, well, how are you a mom? Or like, how did that work? And I haven't had those invasive questions before, but I do know some people who've like, literally people have been like, you're in a wheelchair. How did you conceive your baby? And it's like, we don't need to have this conversation. Mm. (laughs) It's disabled people can be moms. They can be doctors. They can be, you know, athletes. They can be whatever, really pretty much as long as the world's accessible, there are some things we can't do because the world's not accessible, but it's, it's not because we're incompetent or lazy. It's because, you know, people don't treat us equally. Um, but yeah, (laughs) equal opportunity i oh i always go back to equal opportunity you know that's that's my entire thing like everything that i do i'm like how do we get people to this line all right and then from there it's kind of up to them they go in any direction that they want you know i see i see coaching i see fitness i see i see this thing as taking as many horses as we can to that water right but it those horses individually need to decide whether they want to drink or not. That's not up to me, you know, but we need to be able to get all those horses to the water. We need to get everybody on that start line, whether you're fully able, disabled, all right, big, small, black, green, right, an alien, a human, whatever. I don't care. I just I just don't care. Like, you could have done some things in the past or been an absolute saint. I just don't care. How can we get people at this line? And then it's up to them. Okay, Crack on, you know, do your thing. You don't want to be an athlete, great. You know, then it's just accountability, right? Of like, well, you're going to have to put in the work. I'm sorry, but it's not going to be just kind of given to you, right? You do have to work hard, but like everything needs to be accessible for everybody. You know, it breaks my heart. I started off on this journey a long time ago in, in coaching. It broke my heart. I was just like, well, these people have money and these people don't have money. And because these people don't have money, they can't access the spot. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. 
I was like, these people, a lot of people that I've coached with nothing, like orphans, like nothing, nothing to their name. I'm like, they are one of the most genetically gifted people I've ever seen. And I'm just like, if you're able to nurture these people, they also have a chip on their shoulder and the mentality of just like do or die. They will go to the highest level of any sport. And you're just like, nah, they don't have money, whatever. You're just like, wait, wait, wait what? Like chopping off my uh, chopping off my hand to spike my foot? That doesn't make any sense, right? I was just like, how do we get people to this line? How do we, how do we do it? And I think, I think it's conversation. Start number one, and you just did it. You know, telling your story, and I, I feel honored. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. You know. Thank you. Yeah, I I totally agree. I have a teammate. I don't I don't mind name, name dropping him because he's like very open and very big about this. His name's Jamal Hill, and he goes around and teaches people how to swim, and he kind of works specifically in areas that may not have as much funding as other areas. And um, he is one of two African-American swimmers on our national team. And I think what he does is, well, going back to that, who I like, I don't know if other people identify as African-American, but that I know of, my brain doesn't always remember things correctly. Um, I apologize if I just misspoke, but he's really big into that. And I think that's great because like people who are, living in areas of lower socioeconomic status and also people of color are statistically more likely to drown and him being a man of color going out and you know advocating for these communities and teaching all these children I think is really great um and I would love to I actually think I might volunteer with his company not company his nonprofit virtually next year I forget um I think that's great. And I think as a disabled athlete, there are certain foundations that do do funding like challenge athletes foundation, team catapult. Um, I'm able foundation. There's a couple others. Um, but like you said, you know, it's, it's freaky. Cause I, I used to be a swim coach back when I like lived near people in society <laughs> with the targets. Um, some kids you throw in the water and it's like, bruh, like they can just swim. It's just, a God-given gift that they have. And it's so cool to watch. And, you know, there are other kids who try so hard for so long and they, they don't see the same results. And that's frustrating for me to see sometimes. Um, I do think sport is a percentage of hard work, but I also think part of it is just genetics and um, natural gifted mm. potential. Um, that's not saying you, you might not be as gifted at first, but you can get there. But some people I do, I have seen get there a little easier than others. Um, but that's kind of the novelty of it. You know, mm -hmm. somebody might be a crappy swimmer and be the best, you know, wheelchair rugby player in the world. It's just, you got to find where you go. And some people, you know, if you're not ranking well or quote unquote good in your sport, but you love it, stay there. I'd rather do that. I played wheelchair basketball. I didn't like it because I'd get so many penalties for running into people and it hurt my wrists to score. Um, I love sled hockey, but right now with my swimming doing as well as it is, I'm at two risk of getting injured. I've gotten a concussion before and lots of bruises. 